0: Hi, everyone. This is Heidi St. John. Today is Mailbox Monday. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so answering listener questions. You have found the Heidi St. John podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Today is Mailbox Monday, and so I'm going to spend some time today answering listener questions, and uh, and I hope that you guys are encouraged. I wanted to give you an update also on the Revelation Bible study, which is drawing to a close in the month of December and give you a couple of things that we're gonna be doing, which I think are gonna be life-giving to you. We have some brand new products in the store just in time for Christmas. And so I hope you guys will check that out. Also, you know, we uh, every year I like to put together some bundles for you for Christmas and we're putting them together this year. And you can go to the Heidi St. John shop and check those out. And we'll be uh, getting that information to you in the days to come so that you can get some good gifts for the people that you love and bonus, support the ministry of the Off the Bench podcast. We appreciate that. Don't forget, I have a brand new book out, Momstrom 365 It's a 365-day devotional for moms, really just to point them back to the word of God and keep us encouraged all year along. We don't know what is gonna come in the new year, but we know that God does. And his word, the Bible says, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If you missed the uh, Revelation study, you can still get access to it. So we've actually, we spent the last several months recording me teaching through that. And so if you want to sign up to become a member at the Faith That Speaks community and Strong International, you can do that by just hopping over to Faith That Speaks and we will have those things there for you to access so uh, for the month of january i'm going to be taking women through the book of esther this is a great story of courage and what it looks like to walk faithfully with the lord uh, in difficult times the story of esther of course an incredible story of of, of courage under fire of tenacity of obedience and really beaten back that spirit of fear. And so I hope you guys will sign up for that and study with me starting in the month of January. Okay, I'm going to start right in answering your questions today. You guys know the drill. If you have questions that you'd like to submit to me, you can do that by going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. I'm going to stick around today for happy hour and answer even more listener questions. Uh, It's a huge support to us. If you guys would like to financially support the Heidi St. John podcast, if you be became a subscriber over at Spotify. I also want to let you know, if you don't like the pesky Spotify ads, that is the best way to get rid of them. You can kill two birds with one stone, get rid of the Spotify ads, and support this podcast financially. So we hope you will take advantage of that. All right. Annie in Tennessee had a great question, and I'm going to lead with hers today. She said, Heidi, I'm a faithful watcher of your podcast and love your Mom strong book. Thank you, Annie. Man, I appreciate that. Uh, my question is that I have seen some debate online recently about repentance. Some pastors say that repentance must happen first in order to be saved, while others say that repentance is a work. I'm confused about all this and would like some clarification. All right. So what we want to do is go straight to the Bible. This is a really great question, Annie. I'm glad that you've asked it because what I think is happening is people are confusing repentance with the process of becoming more like Jesus, which is sanctification. Uh, in Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, uh, we, an incredible, incredible story, which I don't have time, obviously don't have time to read uh, through with you today. When you get down to verse 37 of Acts chapter two, this is the people's response to hearing the Gospel message coming from the Apostle Peter. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, "Brothers, what shall we do?" Peter replied, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin." So did you hear uh, did you hear that, Annie? This is the basis of your question, right? The question is, do we uh, does salvation come? After repentance or is it a work? The, que- the question is answered very simply here. When we repent, the Bible says that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's pretty incredible. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is piercing, you guys. It's a sharp two-edged sword that lays open, the Bible says, the true condition of our heart. Paul said to take up the sword of the spirit in Ephesians six seventeen, which is the word of God. So the reason that the word of God can have such power to lay open the heart is because it is the sword of the spirit. It's not man's sword. The spirit of God is the spirit of truth. And the true word of God is his word. And he loves it and he empowers his word. And so the question is uh, about rep- repentance. We know that repentance calls for humility and we acknowledge our faults before God. Listen to this out of Second Samuel 12, verse 13. I have sinned against the Lord, David said. Now listen, the prophet Nathan, this is coming to the king of, Uh, to King David, and he's showing him these serious offenses that he's committed against God. And David, in the light of it, when he sees it, he admits he has sinned and he says, I've sinned against you, O Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord forgives you, you will not die. And forgiveness followed instantly. This is what happens when we humble ourselves. In the Psalm of Repentance that David wrote, he said in Psalm 51, verse 17, My sacrifice is a humble spirit, O God. You will not reject a humble and repentant heart. And so Annie, here's the answer to your question. Repentance, as soon as we repent, the Bible says that we are forgiven. And so repentance has to happen first. If you wanna be saved, you have to repent from your sin. Uh, Repent, the Bible says, And that is what, I mean, that's the heart cry of the book of Revelation, which I am just now getting to the end of. Uh, You want to know what stops judgment? Repentance. Repentance stops judgment. But when you say that some pastors are saying that repentance is a work, I wonder if you might be confusing the... uh, the process of becoming more like jesus which is sanctification so as we once we repent and we ask the lord jesus to come into our lives and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness and take over our hearts and our minds and we receive the gift of the holy spirit into our hearts then the work of sanctification begins so that that work is the lord making us to be more like himself so jesus is gonna uh, be hopefully the lord of your life at that point and you live your life to please him and to walk with him and that is the process of sanctification it means that that's helping us to become more like jesus some of you've heard me say over the years that marriage is sanctifying marriage is not meant to make you happy although it does marriage is meant to make you holy and as we raise our children we recognize also that it is sanctifying marriage is sanctifying. Parenting is sanctifying. For goodness sake, homeschooling is sanctifying. Right? I've, I always tell people, listen, if, if homeschooling hasn't driven you to your knees yet, you're doing it wrong. Okay? Because God wants us to come to the end of ourselves and cry out to him for help. And so the answer to your question, again, Annie from Tennessee, is that repentance must happen first in order to be saved. Repentance is a key part of salvation. We are called to repentance to admit our sin before a loving, father. And then the Bible says that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we repent of our sins, that God comes into our lives, that Jesus Christ comes into our lives and saves us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So an amazing uh, an amazing truth from scripture. And then after that, the work of repentance, then of course, we we spend half of our lives or more if we're paying attention to our sin in repentance mode. That means that we are truly sorry for what we have done, You know things that we do that don't please the Lord, things that we do that injure our spouse or that are unkind to other people. But the saving work of repentance happens the moment we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior and we repent of our sins. At that moment, we are saved. That was a great question, Annie. Thanks for sending it in. Another question came in from Thomas, also in Tennessee, and he says, Heidi, I'm a new Christian. I'm wondering what's the best way to study the word? What methods are there? Well, Thomas, that's a great question. I actually just went over some Bible study methods over at the Faith That Speaks community. And I'm a, I'm a super fan, as you guys know, of the inductive Bible study method. I'm teaching in sort of a similar flat fashion through the book of Revelation. But you wanna kind of study hermeneutics. And when we when we understand the best way to study the Bible, that's when we see the best results. So when you read a passage, you wanna read it in context. And in fact, I'm gonna give you a couple of things, Thomas, to sort of um, stick in your your notes today, which hopefully will help you learn to study the Bible better. So what we're talking about in biblical language in the language of a Bible scholar or theologian is something called hermeneutics. And this is what helps us understand and and, uh, and deal with directly with Bible interpretation. So studying the Bible, making sure that we understand it correctly. And there are ways to study the Bible that we want to encourage, especially as we are starting out our walk with the Lord. And the first thing we want to do is to let scripture interpret scripture. This is the gold standard of Bible study. In other words, we are going to be reading the book in context. We, we do not want to inject any kind of personal opinion into what we're reading. We wanna be very careful not to add or subtract to anything that we see in the word of God, not words, not phrases, uh, not literary works, nothing. Uh, We don't wanna add to it. We do not want to inject figurative meanings into the Bible. Whenever we are reading God's word, as much as is possible, we wanna take God at his word. In other words, we take the Bible literally. And so, for example, when we read through the book of, of uh genesis when god said that he created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh day heidi saint john go and take him at his word i believe that god is exactly what god meant when he said that he created the world in six days and rested on the seventh day there are some people who try to interpret that as if it were just uh some sort of a literary uh, literary leftover and people trying to figure out, you know, what does God mean? And maybe it's theistic evolution. We wanna take God at his word whenever possible. And so we wanna let scripture speak itself. I'm going to give you a couple of things that have been really helpful to me over the years. Obviously, the first one is to let scripture interpret scripture. And I think it's important to acknowledge, Thomas, that there are some passages in the Bible that can be difficult to understand. Peter himself said this in 2 Peter 3.16 when he referred to Paul's letters and said this, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. So if Peter said that some of what Paul was saying was hard to understand, I think the Lord understands that we can struggle uh, to understand his word as well. So we want to just employ really good methods when we study the Bible. So the meaning of a word, a phrase, a sentence, or a paragraph needs to be derived out of context. What do I mean? I mean that we read what is happening in the entirety of the passage that we're reading. So we're not cherry picking a verse and taking it out of context you want to read what comes before that verse and you want to read what comes after the verse we want to interpret the scriptures knowing that the goal is not to discover secret hidden truths or to be unique in our interpretation we're looking to see what has god been handing down over the ages that we can uh that we can derive from his word so that we understand who God is. We don't wanna interpret scripture in light of our personal experience, but rather in we interpret our experiences in the light of scripture. You guys have probably heard me say before that the beautiful thing about studying the Bible is that I can lay the word of God out in front of me and everything that is coming down at me from the world, I'm gonna filter through the grid of scripture. In other words, whether it's political, whether it's uh, whether it's social, whatever's happening in the world around me, I want to know, does God have something to say about the thing that I am experiencing in my own life? And the truth is, the Bible has a lot to say about every aspect of our lives. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and that is able to help us in every aspect of our life. It's, tra- it's training in righteousness. It helps us with rebuking and correcting us, helping us stay on the narrow path and to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to interpret the scriptures in light of our personal experience. We want to interpret our personal experience in light of the scriptures. When we interpret scriptures, we wanna investigate key words in their original languages. This is also known as a word study or an inductive study. So really great idea to have like a blue letter Bible, which is free and available. um, I I use the blue letter Bible, blue letter Bible uh, rather often in my study of the word. And you'll see a really wonderful, Uh, commentaries there. You can look up a passage of scripture. You can look up a word in the Greek or in the Hebrew. And we want to get to the meaning of the original language so that we understand the context and we understand what the author meant. We want to interpret the scriptures bearing in mind that many commands uh, were made for an individual and not all people. And we see this, uh, I think this has caused some uh, confusion in some of Paul's letters for example, and we interpret the scriptures bearing in mind that biblical examples are authoritative only when supported by a command. So we interpret scriptures keeping in mind that Christians are living under the new covenant instituted by Jesus. In other words, we're not under the law in the Old Testament. When Jesus came, he abolished the law. And so does it, does it uh, negate the 10 commandments? No, of course not. But we know that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves, uh, it's a gift of God, not that anyone should boast. So we understand that our salvation is a gift of God, and we uh, we read the we read through the entire Bible in context, understanding from creation to the cross, when Jesus came, we are now under a new covenant, the covenant of grace. And so uh, I love that you're asking the, these questions, and Thomas, uh, that you're reading the Bible to show yourself an approved workman who doesn't need to be ashamed but who can rightly handle the word of truth. And it's so important now. It's probably more important now than it has been in my lifetime that we learn to study the Bible and that we apply it correctly because man, there are a lot of people out there right now who are not doing that. Uh, This is a YouTube comment that came in from a podcast that I did called The Difficult But Critical Practice of Rest, and it came in from Caroline. She said, Heidi, this was so beautiful and much needed. I don't know about everyone else, but I feel like the pendulum has swung so far away from our season of forced rest during COVID shutdowns, and God was truly trying to teach us the importance of rest during that time. But now, three and a half years later, I feel like my family and others around me are busier than we have ever been, and we are forgetting to rest. May we take the time to be still and ask the Lord how we can be stewarding our time more wisely and saying yes, not to every single thing, but to instead honor the Lord's command to rest. I love that, Caroline. Thank you for writing in. We love it when you leave reviews for the show and when you send us your questions here at the show. Thank you guys for doing that. Jessica in Michigan said she's a homeschooling mom to two girls. Her youngest doesn't have much interest in school. She just turned 11 and she would rather play. Well, Jessica, that's not too surprising, right? An 11-year-old. She always drags her feet when it's time for school and I just need help or advice, particularly in math. We have been doing multiplication facts since the end of the year, but she's having a hard time. Any suggestions for curriculum or anything? Well, the first thing I would say, Jessica, is that you're probably doing better than you think that you are. And sometimes with our kids, we need to hold their feet to the fire, right? And we're gonna say, uh, we recognize there's maybe laziness in them or there's something going on in their spirit, which is making it so that they are not walking in obedience either before you or obviously before the Lord. But I always like to think, what is it, what is the best way that my child takes in information. This is the key component of a successful homeschool career, if you will, is to understand how your children learn. And so if you have, you know, there's basically several learning styles, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit next week when we do a special on homeschooling. But the, the the three main ones are visual learners, obviously people who take in information from their eyes. I am a very visual learner. When I'm taking notes or even when I'm teaching, a lot of people will say when I'm doing my Bible studies and if you guys have signed up for the Revelation study and you get the video series, you'll notice that they're very heavy in illustrations and slides. And I will put the scripture right up there on the screen so that you can see it and circle things that I think are important because I am a visual learner. I learn best that way and I also teach that way. There's also auditory learners and they learn best by just sitting and taking in information, just listening. And then there are kinesthetic learners who, the kinesthetic learners are kind of an amazing uh, an amazing learning style because these are the, the kids and really, you know, grown grownups like this too, who we learn through movement and we learn through touch. I can always tell when I have a kinesthetic learner in a, in a conference that I'm speaking at, because that's going to be the mom who's sitting listening to me, but she's crocheting, right? She's moving her hands. The movement of her hands is helping her process that information. And so the first thing I'd encourage you to do is uh, maybe see if you can test your child's uh, learning abilities and figure out what style she is. And you can, you can, there's a bunch of online tests that you can help assess your child's learning style. It's so important, but I wouldn't beat yourself up. It's not that unusual to have a child dragging their feet during schoolwork all right i think that's actually pretty pretty normal there's a great book out there called how to get your kid off the refrigerator and into learning one of my favorite books when i was homeschooling and uh i would just encourage you you know if if she is struggling with math and if not it's not something that you love to teach then the chances of you both struggling with it are pretty good and so finding ways that are bring that bring joy into your home uh is a great place to start maybe you do some math games we did um times tales with our kids i did times tables the fun way i'll see if i can link back to that in the show notes today times tables the fun way i taught it for years and years and then six of our seven kids learned their math and uh, their multiplication and division facts that way and that was a lot of fun because they take the math fact and they um and they make it into a story and so the kids the visual learners are happy The auditory learners are happy and the kinesthetic learners are happy because you've got flashcards that you can work with, magnets that you can use. Uh, I'm pretty sure that comes out through City Creek Press, but I loved Times Tables the fun way. So Jessica, uh, go ahead and look that up if you get the opportunity. All right, Um, Amanda in Iowa said, Heidi, I love your show. Your podcast on the attack of masculinity was so good. Are there any books or Bible studies that you'd recommend for men or for a husband and wife to do together that would help the Spirit show men what their role is and how important it is in our homes and the cultures. Well, Amanda, I'm so glad that you wrote in and asked that question. We are gonna be diving into that topic in the spring months here at Faith That Speaks. And so we're gonna be producing our own. It is very hard uh, to find really good stuff out there on biblical masculinity because most pastors are running from it. I do know that my friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills has a thriving men's ministry and I believe a men's Bible study. So I would direct you there, but keep your eyes on what we're doing here at Firmly Planted Family and uh, through the Heidi St. John podcast in cooperation with Faith That Speaks because we're going to be diving into the roles of male and female and uh, I'll be teaching on it, and so really looking forward to that. So great, great question, Amanda. And I love that you're already uh, that you're thinking about these questions because it's so important. We had an Apple Podcast review from a listener, and she said Heidi Saint John has and is continuing to keep me grounded in God's truth. She was my first podcast several years ago, and she never gets old. Well, my goodness, thank you for that. Uh, I am feeling kind of old right now. <laughs> going to lie. I'm not going oh, to lie. All right. One more question, and then I'll come back at happy hour and, and answer some more questions. But one question for the main show today comes from Jennifer in Florida. She says, Dear Heidi, my friend and I both have relatives who claim to be Christians, but have lived a life as lesbians for over 20 years. Our debate is salvation is eternal and cannot be taken away. However, a person living as a lesbian is turning their back on truth of the scripture. Uh, we do understand that God views all sin as sin and a Christian who has a different perpetual sin should be judged the same. If a person dies without repentance, now we're back to the repentance issue again. If a person dies without repentance, how does God handle this sin in heaven? Thank you for your podcast and Bible studies. My prayer life has changed for the better because of your messages thank you jennifer i really appreciate that well a couple things come to mind as i'm reading your question first of all when someone tells me that they are a christian but they live in in a state of perpetual sin whether it's homosexual sin or maybe they're just you know they just keep right on lying they keep right on stealing they keep right on being disrespectful to their husbands or being unkind to their wives and there's no change at all i will usually wonder if that person has been saved I do not believe that you can lose your salvation. That's a that's a whole other. Uh, I don't have time to get into that today. But there's a very, I think, a very strong biblical case to be made for eternal security. But I often will talk to people who will say, you know, my uh, my daughter or my son is living in sin. They say that they're Christians, or my friend got uh, saved, but then she never, never nothing ever changed. Jesus says that you'll know a person by their fruit. And while we can't judge the heart of another human being, we can absolutely observe what we see happening in their life. There's no question the Bible's position on sexual sin, be it homosexual sin or heterosexual sin. The Bible's very clear on this. And when we don't repent of our sin, the sanctification process is not happening. So as I said earlier in the show today, repentance is is what staves off judgment. Repentance is what brings us into right relationship with the Lord. That repentance should result in a changed life. That repentance should result in turning around like it did with the Apostle Paul, who remember as Saul used to persecute Christians. Well, when he became born again, man, just like that, his life turned around. It doesn't mean that you do everything perfectly, but it means that you're grieved by your sin. And if this, uh, these relatives of yours are not grieved by their sin, the first thing I would be questioning is whether or not they were ever saved in the first place. The process of sanctification begins when we become saved and our lives fall into alignment with the will of God in our life. And we know that God's not gonna ask us to do something that's contrary to his word. And we know what God's standard is on sexual sin. The Bible says that we are to live a set apart life. He said, be holy as I am holy. What does that look like? It means that we we bring our, our will into conformity with the will of God. It's so important that we do that, you guys. And so uh, take it to heart today as you examine your own life. We won't always be doing that, right? I'm always doing that. You need to be doing it too. Lord, is there anything in my life where you wanna do what, what King David did? Search me, Lord, try me. Is there anything in my life that doesn't bring you glory? All right, that's all I've got time for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love your people well. Uh, there are times in our lives that are worth celebrating. And with the heaviness in the culture right now, I just want to encourage you, bring those people in as close as you can, love on them, and see if God doesn't honor it when you take the time to rest. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you are subscribed to the Heidi St. John podcast, hang on, I'll be right back for happy hour for everybody else. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture. All right, guys, we're back for happy hour. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, I wanted to say thank you for those of you who have uh, subscribed to the show. It's really um, important to me that you are um, being encouraged by the times that we can do happy hour here. And I'm gonna be trying to uh, get as many people on as I can for that. But really, it's a big encouragement to us and it really does help a booster the show. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, Sheila in Michigan wrote in and said she was struggling with the end of all the kid things. I have one child at home who's 17 and just finished soccer. Soccer was a huge part of our family. My husband coached for 25 years, but it is the end of all the things. Last season, the last kid at home, the last graduation, the last school year, the last first day picture, they write books on how to put a baby to sleep and how to feed them but they don't write books on how to handle all of these lasts. Any advice on what's next and how to make the most of the season and any books that you know of how to encourage us? Um, I appreciate you and deeply respect your opinions and love your podcast. Thank you, Sheila in Michigan. Thank you so much for that. A uh, couple things that come to mind as someone who's also kind of in a season of lasts right now. I'm, I'm not at the end but I'm pretty darn close. And I can tell you that it is very, very hard. And I think, and I I believe I've said this before, so at the risk of, you know, repeating myself too much, I I really do think that if we do it right, it hurts when our kids leave home. And and I don't mean hurt like in, uh, you know, like we don't want to let our kids go or hurt like, man, you know, we, we're never going to recover. It isn't that. I think it's a grieving the loss of a season of life that we soaked everything that we could out of. And I. that's different than the kind of regret that comes when we don't do that and our kids leave anyway. Right, they leave anyway, and then you're stuck with the sting of regret. Like, should I have done more? Could I have done something differently? Could I have spent more time with my children? Should I have discipled them better? Should I have taught them the word better? We don't want to live with that regret, and so we want to pour everything we can into our children during the times, the the years that they are young, and they're they're only young for a little while. You know, most of my kids are grown now, and I I have told you, uh, you guys here at the show that this, the first, the first ones moving out were the hardest ones. Um, Certainly my oldest daughter, Savannah, who's now 32 years old, when she moved out, uh, I thought I was going to die from it because this was, you know, she was just a best friend of mine. And I just thought I'm never going to see her again. She's going to move out and that's going to be the end of it. And guess what? I see her all the time. I see her all the time. And we talk on the phone all the time. Um, my daughter, Sierra, married to a wonderful uh, young man who our family adores. My son, Skylar, married a beautiful and really smart young woman who is a nurse, and we cherish our time with them. And I cherish watching my children starting their own families and walking with the Lord and and um, setting out on their own. And in fact, I would just encourage you, sometimes I think when we, we can look so hard at the lasts that we miss the opportunity of just going, okay, Lord, what's what's next for me? And so, something that's been helpful for me, and I hope it helps you, Sheila, is I tend to want to look ahead and not behind. And so, when you're when you're looking ahead, then you're going, uh, you're going, okay, Lord, thank you for that season. What would you like me to do now? And God will show you. And I think it takes the sting out of it and also reminds us that everything that we do is really a kingdom purpose. You guys, we're just passing through. We are not here for very long. Uh, last week when my daughter was in a car accident that last Tuesday, uh, I'm telling you what, um, my husband and I, boy, you, you know, you hug your kids a little harder when you see their car flipped over upside down in the middle of a street. And I realized again, and I, I feel like I I knew this, but it just was The lord used that car accident to just remind me again i want to invest in what matters and sheila if you've invested in what matters good things are coming you're not sitting at home with the sting of regret saying i wish i would have you know uh, participated in soccer with my kids i wish i would have this i wish i would have that that's not the sadness that you're feeling and praise the lord for that because the other side of that coin is that deep, deep sadness that comes from regret, that sting of regret. And it sounds to me like that's not what your issue is. So I'd be asking the Lord, and praise the Lord for that, Sheila, well done. Well done, mama, good job. Uh, I'd be taking some time now and just saying, Lord, what's next? So you got a lot of good years left ahead of you should the Lord tarry it or not take you home. You have a lot of good years left ahead of you where you can be serving the Lord and uh, finding joy in other aspects of your life. And that's not to say that um, you can't grieve the passing of the season, but don't get stuck in it, all right? Uh, We sure love you guys. That's all I've got time for today. I've got a lot of things going on around here, as you guys can imagine. And so I appreciate you spending a little bit of extra time with me. If you wanna reach out to me, the way to do that is by just going to VIP at HeidiStJohn.com. We're hearing back from you who have received books from our giveaways, and that's a lot of fun. We'll be doing more of that in the new year as more guests come on Happy Hour. And so I want to thank you guys for being faithful supporters of the Heidi St. John podcast. Reach out to me, VIP, at HeidiStJohn.com, and I'll see you back here again real soon.